I'm excited to welcome back IWI as a sponsor of the Three Gun Show. Longtime listeners will remember IWI and the Three Gun Show's runs at Red October and Kalash Bash with their Galil Ace. Available in 545 x 39 762 x 39 and 5.56, the Galil Ace is an absolute dominator at AK matches. IWI has released a Gen 2 of the Ace with tons of upgrades featuring a free float M-Lock handguard, an updated trigger profile, shortened safety throw, and it now ships with a Magpul CTR stock with a little cheek riser in there so you can see through your scope. And now IWI has joined the AR-15 game as well. Their Zion 15 is available in both a 12.5 or 16-inch barrel with a 5.56 chamber, and it features a free float handguard in 11.5 or 15 inches, respectively. With a mid-length gas system and a 1.8 twist, the IWI checks all of the boxes at an incredibly low price. Whether you're looking for a bullpup, traditional rifle, or a pistol, IWI has several options to satisfy your needs. This episode of the Three Gun Show is sponsored by Isotune Sport. Isotune Sport makes advanced Bluetooth hearing protection for shooters. My hearing is very important to me for obvious reasons, and I absolutely love how quickly their tactical sound control reacts to cut out loud gunfire. One feature, though, that I never thought I would use on the range is Bluetooth technology, and I'm actually kind of loving it. Isotune Sport Ear Pro easily connects to my phone, and from there, I can listen to some Beastie Boys or Poison or even a podcast to get me in the zone while I'm setting up for practice or stirring a rifle, something like that. And if I'm caught by surprise by gunfire from the next bay over, I know that my hearing is safe. Lately, I've been rocking the wireless in-ear caliber model because they are lightweight, have a great uh, battery life, and won't get tangled in the buttstock of my long guns. You can check them out for yourself. I'll have a link in the show notes at 3gunshow.com. I'm pumped to be working with Isotune Sport, and I thank them for sponsoring the show. Welcome to the 3 Gun Show. I'm your host, Dave Hartman. This is episode 359, and you can find links to things I discuss in this podcast at 3gunshow.com slash 359. My guest this week is Carrie Davis of Dark Angel Medical, and we cover the misconceptions of the of the tourniquet and proper application of a tourniquet. Actually, Carrie does. I just ask questions. <laughs> so who is Carrie Davis? Carrie spent 10 years active duty as an Air Force medical service craftsman. He attended airborne school and flight med- uh, and flight medic school. We recorded this one at the 2020 Shooter Symposium where Kerry was teaching his direct action response training course. The tactics and techniques that Kerry teaches have absolutely saved lives. So listen up to this interview and then check out the links at 3gunshow.com to sign up for one of his classes and make sure you're scored away on Medgear. What are some uh, myths and misconceptions about tourniquets? I think uh, I've seen tourniquets at... Three gun matches. Uh, everybody and their brother has one here at the shooter symposium. Um, people carry them in their trucks. It seems like the thing, the the one piece of tactical gear to have. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, tourniquets uh, finally have been uh, have have made mainstream. They've made acceptance. Yeah. Uh, but simply because there's so much science behind it, they they work. Okay. Uh, and so for many many years, they were you know maligned as as this this evil thing that's going to cause you to lose your limb. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. I heard that when I was young. Yeah, dude. In I, Cub well, Scouts, right? Hey, yeah, I used to teach that. 
Oh, you did? I taught that. Well, because that's what we knew was right. institutional inertia, right? Sure. So, so many things that, that, we had, that we learned from somebody else who said it to somebody else who said it to somebody else was through institutional inertia. So there's this big stigma associated with it. Um, a lot of that comes from uh, the Civil War where they actually used tourniquets on battlefield. That's where our mass casualty protocols were, uh, were started, was back during the Civil War because of the massive amounts of trauma that we'd see in such a short period of time. Yeah. They had to sort out the injured, right? So they would tourniquet somebody off, but they wouldn't come back to them until a little while later, right? So what happened to the limb then? The limb's all swollen up, nasty, right. gangrenous, and everything like that. So what was, what so was the thing they did? They cut it off. So the problem then was, like, not the way we use tourniquets now. So we use tourniquets for like immediate casualty care and then get them directly into surgery, right? Right. There was like a, a pause button. They're like, oh, we'll put this guy in the back of the line now, there was, right? Yeah, there was we a delay. We got that taken care of. Yeah, there was a delay, man. And so the battlefield medicine with a tourniquet then, it was it was like horrific, you know? And so everything was, you know, if it's, if it's uh, something we put a tourniquet on, yeah, we're going to cut it off, even if maybe the injury didn't necessitate it uh, when the tourniquet was placed. You know, our amputation was not necessitated when the tourniquet was placed and when it was left in place for so long. Okay. Then you've got tissue death, right? And got so it. then it's all nasty and gnarly and there's, there's no salvage in it. And so they're like, oh, oh, cut it off. And so that was where a lot of that, that came from. And so uh, we've been using tourniquets for many, many years. I mean, even yeah. in the you know, 1800s, they were using tourniquets in operating rooms with a um, high degree of success. So no... No limb loss. You know, we use tourniquets nowadays. We've been using tourniquets for years and years, you know, knee surgery, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and so there's there's been no untoward effects. It's to keep blood where it belongs in the body. You know? Right. Again, so it's all in science. how you use it then, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all how you use it. And, and, again, it's just like anything, using it effectively, using it to your best advantage to have the best outcome. Uh, and But you've got to know why to use it, when to use it, how to use it. The, the rationale, uh, the theory behind using a tourniquet is, is massive, man. So right. we, we've, got to, we've got to know when to use this stuff. And as, as adult learners, I think that's why people are like, hey, I want to use a tourniquet, uh, but I don't know how. So right. that's, that's where we provide the training. That's where we come in and do, okay. do the training. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about like, uh, how you actually do use a tourniquet, but let's, are there any other myths or misconceptions that we... Um, that's one of the big things. Uh, there's uh, misconceptions. Uh, you know, the tourniquet time. People are like, oh, I can't. You got to loosen the tourniquet every every 20 minutes. Things like that. No, we don't. Once the tourniquet's okay. on, tourniquet is on there to stop bleeding. Tourniquet so is on what's there. What's the thought behind that? Is that to like freshen up the blood and the? Is to is to reperfuse, right? It's a right. Re, to reperfuse. Now in the OR in the hospitals, they'll take tourniquets down about mm-hmm. every 45, 50 minutes for you know a little bit to reperfuse, and then they'll. They'll put them. They'll tighten them back down. But that's they're in a controlled environment in mm-hmm. a, in a in a in an austere setting. Things like yeah. that where we're not where we don't have the luxury of having fresh blood hanging or anything like that. If you buy if you put a tourniquet on, that tourniquet's on. So okay. that's that's one of the other things we say we used to teach that. Hey, if you put a tourniquet on, loosen it up every twenty minutes. Um, if you put a tourniquet on, it's last resort. Right. Now we're like, hey, if there's massive life threatening hemorrhage from an extremity. Put that tourniquet on because it's going to keep blood in the body where it belongs. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so, uh, so they're they're only for extremities. Obviously, it doesn't work on your your center center body. Doesn't work Correct. on your head. Right. Doesn't work on your ears. Well, I mean, you could you could put it around somebody's neck for a head bleed, but that's not a recommended application. Not a recommended not, application. Not, okay. Not, yeah. Heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't do so that. don't do that. That's bad. All right. So um, reperfusing. Um, Tourniquets are bad. Any other myths? Uh, man, uh, there's there's so much misinformation out there. Uh, 
you know, um, improvised tourniquets. Okay. You know, improvised tourniquets, you know, a belt. Uh, a belt is used to keep your britches up over your butt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the big thing that the belt does. Um, all, the, all the improvised tourniquets, when uh, they did an improvised tourniquet study back in 2015, uh, there was a huge failure rate massive failure rate with these tourniquets these improvised tourniquets because they did not if there was just a strap uh it did not have mechanical advantage right and there was almost 100 percent failure rate with these things you know and uh even like belts uh belts had a huge failure rate uh and and so when you but when you add a mechanical advantage there was a massive increase in the success rate because you're adding that that windlass that that thing right. that helps crank down and add that compressive force to occlude that artery which is what we're trying to do because that's your high pressure system got it so, okay yeah um any other ones we want to cover no that's about it okay so what is the uh what's the proper application for a tourniquet then okay proper application skin uh, knees <laughs> do I now? Skin knees? Yeah, skin. skin if I'm skateboarding, skin, I skin my knees. <laughs> yeah, skin knees. Uh, you know, like I said, we, we don't put them on head injuries. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, um, anything that we would consider a massive life-threatening hemorrhage that I couldn't control with direct pressure, let's say large amounts of arterial bleeding, mm-hmm. uh, blood-soaked clothing, uh, you know, bandages that are getting soaked through, uh, wounds that aren't going to be controlled with direct or that can't be controlled with direct pressure, anything so like that. So would that be like um, – road rash that's like too great to apply pressure mm. to no or? road rash yeah road rash typically is more of a more just a more a superficial so you're just okay. scrubbing off the superficial layers of skin you're not getting down to deep deep vasculature you know big vessels anything okay. like that uh, so we're talking like compound fractures something or, something um, fractures in gun- the context of where we're at this weekend bullet wounds yeah gunshot wounds things gunshot like wounds. that uh knife injuries uh you're cutting you're okay. out cutting wood kindling whatever the axe slips goes into your leg opens it up a uh, cousin of mine had the same thing happen with a chainsaw, went to oh, his leg, God. opened his leg up. Yeah, so yeah. Matt, and he had to put a tourniquet on. So right. um, those things uh, are something that you're going to need that tourniquet for because otherwise direct pressure, not going to work. Uh, mm. Pressure points and elevation, we've totally gotten away from. So, you know, if the tourniquet, if the direct pressure is not going to work or if you recognize it as an immediately life-threatening bleed, I'm going to go ahead and apply a tourniquet. You know, some amputation. Somebody gets hit on a bicycle by, uh, yeah. by automobile or a motorcycle hits by automobile, Typically, the the cyclist is the one that's the loser. Right. Uh, and yeah. they can, and in more ways than one, they can lose a limb, and that is a <coughs> excuse me, massive life-threatening bleed. So, um, so massive life-threatening hemorrhage is what we're looking for indications to put tourniquets on. Okay. Uh, how we put them on? Okay. If I can identify the bleed, uh, and we're going to call this a deliberate tourniquet or a del- deliberate application. If I'm going to identify the bleed. Uh, or if I can readily identify it, I'm gonna go two, two to three inches above that. Like say, oh, okay. a hand, let's say a hand width above the the injury. Okay. Okay. Some of that's re- related to um, arteries. Arterial art, arteries uh, are very thick, very elastic. Uh, they can retract, you know, a couple inches, things like that. So we don't want to go putting the tourniquet below the site of the bleed or right. where the actual bleed is internally that we can't see. So we're going to go like a hand width above the injury. Right. So toward the uh, the body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Closer in. Uh, and get that tourniquet applied, and then we're going to get the bleeding stop from that. Otherwise, <coughs> excuse me, I've been talking all day. So my, oh, I, I totally understand. Uh, all weekend. Um, yeah, all weekend. Uh, and let me sit with that, please. Sure. <coughs> Sorry. America. <laughs> all right. So um, deliberate tourniquet uh, placement, two to three inches above the injury, unless there's a joint in the way. If there's a joint in the way. I'm going to go above that joint, okay? Because okay? I'm not going to put a tourniquet over a joint. That's that's bad. We don't do that uh, because it would move. 
Uh, that's if I can identify it. We call that a deliberate tourniquet. Now, if it's a low-light situation, it's an austere situation, blood-soaked clothing, I can't really readily identify where the bleed's coming from, I'm going to go ahead and throw that tourniquet, like military haircut, we call it high and tight. Right. Okay, that's called a hasty tourniquet. Mm-hmm. Okay, at that point, I don't know where they're bleeding from. I just know they're bleeding. I know I need to get the bleeding stopped because blood belongs in the body. Science. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going <laughs> to, you know, that's as simple as that. And then later on, once I've got the bleeding stopped, if I say, oh, he was bleeding from way down here on his leg, I can put that actually below his knee. I'm reducing the amount of tissue affected through hypoxia, yeah. oh, which means low okay. blood, blood oxygen. I can reapply a second tourniquet below, uh, you know, close, you know, two to three inches above. Uh-huh. Do that deliberate placement, and then I can take the other one down, which means I can loosen it up. Now, if I started getting a rebleed, I could go ahead and if that one bleed, if that one tourniquet was not enough to stop it, I would place the second tourniquet directly adjacent to it, right next to it, either ab- mm-hmm. above it or below it, uh, but immediately adjacent to that. So I'd increase the compressive or the uh, the surface area being compressed. Got it. Because tourniquets don't just act on compressive force. They act on the surface area that's being compressed. So the more, more surface area I'm compressing, the greater chance of having a successful tourniquet application. So if you've got these dudes with the big, I lift things up and put them down legs, you know, you may have to put more than one tourniquet on right. on those dudes' legs. So okay. two is one, one is none in that situation. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's so that's a hasty tourniquet and deliberate tourniquet. That's good to know. So um, so if you can identify where it's at, the reason you want to put, um, put it like just a hand width above it is to um, reduce the the amount of blood shut off to the Correct. rest of the body, right? Correct. Yeah, cuz well, or to that part of the body to because that, excuse me, to yeah, that part of the body. Yeah, cuz you think about it, man, the more tissue that's affected, I mean, if I'm if I'm shutting all the circulation yeah, off, so if, if I'm, I'm talking shutting, about the arm and we yeah, put it all the way up here. Right. Arterial circulation shut off from here. Right. You know, venous circulation shut off from here. I have no blood flow, which means no oxygen, which means my cells die. Mm-hmm. And if my cells die, my tissues die. Right. Which that's what all this is made of. So if if the if the cut is, you know, um, somewhere around the wrist, then we want to put it or on the forearm. Yeah, right up in here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That exactly. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I dig this stuff. Yeah. Kind of makes a difference in people's lives. So. Yeah, it does. Kind of rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing that the, uh, you know, we're actually being, um, we're able to see the tourniquet now being saved, like, in the civilian theater, too. You know, so, like, it's, I guess, from my understanding, it started in, in uh, um, Iraq, Afghanistan, that kind of yeah. thing. And then yeah. it, we saw that it was actually working. After hundreds of years of thinking it wasn't working from the, right. like you said, the Civil War. And then now we're um, able to see them on, uh, like, uh, ambulances, on yeah, man. police uh, police cruisers, yeah. people carrying around on their belts, stuff like that. It's Dude, really cool. total paradigm shift in, in how we've thought on this stuff. And it's, it's all due to scientific research. And unfortunately, like I tell people all the time, I've been doing medicine for 29 years. Um, and we learn, unfortunately, through other people's misfortunes. Yeah. And but we've got so much scientific data as a result of all the stuff that's been going on that it's irrefutable, and you you can't refute science. So that's there great. it is. Yeah. And now and now it gets to save more lives. I so gets to save more lives. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, uh, before we uh, stop here, we're just a little bit over our ten minutes, but um, I want to hold over because I know that <laughs> there was a problem in the past with um, um, counterfeit. Um, oh man tourniquets man. so where where does someone get a tourniquet if they if you need to know the source of it hey man i tell you what uh stay away from people who third party source uh uh if you're looking for something that's cheap don't don't bottom basement uh bargain basement mm-hmm. shop your med kit things like that um you can come to us darkangelmedical.com 
and you can look on the website and we get our tourniquets direct from the from the manufacturers direct from the vendors we're we're direct with those guys and we stand behind it because we're not going to sell you counterfeit because that's somebody's life in the box right there yeah, so absolutely. and if you use one of our kits or, or one of our kits with that tourniquet in there you let us know about it um we'll uh we'll replace what you use free of charge replace repack everything else that you have used you send all the stuff back to us we'll repack repack everything send it back to you free of charge that's called our kit for life guarantee and that's way cool yeah man so i've I've replaced 122 kits so far and i'm pretty pretty happy about that about to to do about to do 123 because we had a la police uh officer write me the other night and said hey man during some of the stuff that happened out in la i used my ankle kit on a guy who had a firework uh code for pipe bomb uh took his right hand off had a apply oh, wow. had a apply tourniquet on the guy's arm um also some shrapnel went in the guy's groin he had to pack that with a hemostatic gauze wrap it up and he's like i said man i'm very happy to to replace whatever it is you use so yeah Absolutely. Man, yeah so it's it's one of those things if you if you're gonna sh- uh, shop around for the stuff Dark Angel Medical, um, go straight to the source, North American Rescue, Boundary Medical, Chinook Medical, Rescue Essentials, all these guys, um, solid, solid folks. And obviously, you know, North American Rescue is the manufacturer of it, but we get ours direct from them. Very so cool. No counterfeit. And so we're, we're out here at Shooter Symposium. Mm-hmm. Carrie, you're doing some uh, training courses, mm-hmm. um, teaching people these, uh, these life-saving skills. If people want to get a hold of you to do... Uh, some sort of training how would they do that absolutely man if you want to host a host a class for us we're 100 percent dependent on hosts uh, reach out to us at info at darkangelmedical.com and in the subject line say interested in hosting a class <laughs> keep, awesome. it pre- keep it pretty simple we look for those first <laughs> Abs- absolutely man and then uh and you know we'll we'll love to come to your area and and teach you we need at least 12 folks max of 24 and a classroom and a partridge and a pear tree and we're good to go that's great. Well, thanks for being a part of this 10-minute talk. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank and, you, uh, We appreciate what you do. Awesome. Thank you much. All right. A quick update. I'm now on my third week of the Speed and Agility programming from the Tactical Games Training. If you're not familiar, the intent of the program is to increase foot speed, acceleration, and velocity for aggressive movements in the shooting sports while keeping your knees, ankles, elbows, and wrists healthy. I like that the program has me doing lower body centric things like front squats, Romanian deadlifts to build muscle and then conditioning things like bike or rower sprints to keep that motor going. Each day, a new workout is loaded right into the app by Amanda Cherry, who is a personal personal trainer that specializes in movement, uh, excuse me, movement quality and joint health. Each day, a new workout is loaded right into the app by Amanda Cherry, who is a personal trainer that specializes in movement quality and joint health. The workouts have warm-ups and movement preps to get your body ready for the main focus of the session and a cool-down to increase mobility. I'm excited to be doing the program and working toward getting faster and more explosive speed for stages. If you want to improve your movement game too, check out the link in the show notes, 3gunshow.com slash 359. The 3Gun Show is proud to be a part of the Firearms Radio Network. If you like this type of content, help us grow the show and the shooting sports by sharing with a friend. Just open the podcast app you're using right now and hit that share button. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the range.